Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. Welcome to Thought Forms, the 232nd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Marcus Aurelius. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother. I'm Jackson, Ode's brother. Another Jack's episode. Another Jack's yeah. episode. All right. Gwyn and I went to Pride, Kalamazoo Pride. It was a good time. We didn't stay for very long. We just stayed for a couple of hours because it was extremely hot. It was extremely hot. It was like 93. Jack's had to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't go because I was at work the yep. whole time. In the cool, In the cool I might yes. add. <laughs> Cool-ish. <laughs> it's a relative term. <laughs> um, but we did have a good time. And it is cooling off now. So if you have Pride coming up in your area, uh, if it hasn't happened yet because different places do their pride celebrations at different times mm-hmm. we encourage you to go to pride yes and have absolutely. a good time we had a really fun time there were mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people there yes but they had all kinds of vendors artisans and they had music mm-hmm. and performers and and your pride will probably be similar and it'll be great mm-hmm. and so Odin and I have decided that over the next few weeks we are going to talk about some of the different organizations we yes. ran into and of course the other fun thing about pride is you get swag you get so much free shit at so pride. much free shit and so that is fun and we'll be talking about some of that stuff uh-huh But the other thing we want to remind people is that always you should be careful when you go to large events like this. But especially given the tenor of the Mm -hmm. current situation, you should be more careful this year than usual. Mm -hmm. Go in a group. Stay close to your friends. Watch out for each other. Mm -hmm. Make sure nobody's acting weird or Mm -hmm. suspicious. Mm -hmm. Don't trust fucking cops. Nope. There will be cops at your pride. It's not optional because the cities have decided this is a thing. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, there will be cops there. Don't engage with them. No. Stay out of their way. Don't trust them. Don't go to them with problems. Don't, just don't interact with them. Nope. If they say something rude, just ignore it. If you can possibly not interact with a cop, don't interact with a cop. And turn off your location tracking on your phone and set it to password only. No face, no fingerprint. Yeah, no biometric scans. Ideally, if you can get away with it, most of you should leave your phones at home mm-hmm. and only one person should bring a phone for like emergency contact. Yeah, yeah. that's un- it's unlikely that most people are going to do that, but if you're going to bring your phone, do what Jackson said. Look up like how to attend a protest checklists and check off the ones appropriate for a party. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Do yeah. all those things. Just because you never know what the cops will get up to, but it'll probably be bad news. And then just have fun. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Have a good time. Feel the vibes. Be with your peeps. Yep. It, it's we had chances so much are nothing will happen exactly. you just should be prepared in case something happens exactly and we were you know we had a great time mm-hmm. one of the things i really appreciated about pride this year because it was so fucking hot, God, it was, so hot. was that out front out front kalamazoo they were handing out free water yeah there was free water at the drinks tent and then two organizations were very wise and handed out free sunscreen yes so remember when you go to pride mm-hmm. bring sunscreen Bring, bring water. Water. Bring more water than you think you need. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have one of those, like, hiking bladders that yeah. fill up, mm-hmm. just bring that. And if you can, bring extra water in case someone else needs some mm-hmm. and, and remember, it's not available. And if you're allowed to, remember to bring some snacks in your bag yep. because food is usually pricey. And if there's alcohol, you want to have some food. Something to eat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Gwen and I each got uh, one drink ticket apiece, and I was, like, halfway through my little, like, (laughs) 5.5%, like, practically a Mike's Hard Lemonade uh, drink. 
And Quinn was like, go buy yourself a corn dog. Because <laughs> yep. I hadn't eaten yet today. I hadn't had breakfast. Nothing. No lunch. Uh-huh. And so I was like, go get yourself a fucking corn dog, uh-huh. child. And I did. And it was really good. It was <laughs> and, a good corn dog. <laughs> and if you're like me and you generally just cannot eat at these mm-hmm. things because there was really not anything I could have had at the at Pride, make sure you bringing snacks mm-hmm. you can have and make sure you eat before you go you can still have a great time uh-huh is that it for housekeeping no because the mech pagan picnic is this weekend oh, that's right yes that's right i'm going to be presenting a ritual mm-hmm. at uh the pagan picnic it is in bloomer park rochester michigan this saturday june 10th from noon to six and the uh, theme is celebrate the sun and it's by the people who put on the convocation mm-hmm. that we go to every every winter, yep. basically. So if you're in the Detroit area or in Rochester and you want to come to the Pagan Picnic, it is a $5 fee to park. But otherwise, the picnic is free and they're going to be providing uh, some meat and you just, everybody else brings the extra stuff. So bring food. Yeah, bring some food. Treat it like a potluck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. Treat it like a potluck. And it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm excited to be going. What? Our housekeeping is not done. It's the beginning of the (gasps) month. Oh, my God. You're right. It is. All right, people. Set back. Settle back. It's time to do the names. The patron names. The patron names. names. And then we'll go to our topic. Yep. I almost completely forgot. We have 33 kittens. Thank you, kittens. We love you, kittens. We have 22 cats. And their names are... Annalise Scharfenberger, Jeremy Glazenhart, Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Renee Nyan, Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, The Dryad, Claire K.R. Miller, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, Quinn Ann ASMR, Laura Loki, and Cindy Barrick. We love you, cats. There are 60 hunters, and their names are Koasu Tanku. Amara Sapphirewolf, Sin Springsteed, Dwyer, Kellen Tasber, Adriana Wicker, Sarah Goff, Leanne Gee, Scout, Lisa N., Heather Weidman, Annie Ray, Tom Warfell, Brandon Adair, C.J. Kaufman, Hexaluna, Mary Rose, Misa Sky, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Don Taylor, Maharat, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Knight Ryan, Druidic Heart, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Rhiannon M. Gray, La Petite Poison, Loriana Lee Knapp, Saga, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kuhns, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomblin, Roshala and Dasvid, David Dashifan Keys, Zamina Kokoro, Amy Martin, Sky Bierce, Jim Two Snakes, Sarenth Odinson, Uchi Ursa, Finn, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Dahlia Darge, Jessica Jones, and Charles Howison. We love you, Hunters. Thank you, Hunters. There are eight leopards, and their names are Jody Cozy, Luna, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Calibri, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, Leopards. Thank you, Leopards. There are seven tigers, and their names are Yuki Quinn, M.B. Strang, Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. Thank you, tigers. There is one panther named Laurel Jade. We love you, our panther. Thank you, Laurel Jade. And there are three jaguars, 
and their names are Silver Wolf Arrow, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love you, Jaguars. That is all of our patrons. And Jackson's over there cracking up. (laughs) (laughs) I just like Jaguars. Moving on to actual topics of the episode, because we're now actually house kept and house swept. House swept. There's a lot of terminology involved here. So. Some of it some of it is appropriative, so I'm not going to use it. Like I'm not going to to talk about tulpas. I'm going to use more sort of generalized thought form terminology, a terminology that's mostly associated in the modern day with chaos magic and with theosophy, which is where the modern concept of thought forms really came from, mm-hmm. is from the theosophical movement. In 1905, uh, Annie Besant, who was a pretty prominent theosophist actually released a book called Thought Forms, where she described the three types or forms of thought forms that she had identified. One was forms that were in the shape of the person who created them. One was uh, forms that took on the shape of a person or object, but were ensouled by nature spirits or the spirits of the dead. And the third was astral forms of inherent qualities, like emotions. Interesting. That uh, leads me to what my one little contribution for the night, because you guys did more research than I did. (laughs) But I thought this was really interesting in regard to uh, emotions and things like that. There's a, a belief that, or a theory, that at places that are considered haunted like battlefields, Mm -hmm. that it is the accumulation of the pain, the fear, and all of the emotion that not only happened during the battle, but over time as people come to visit those places Mm -hmm. and they feel that sadness and whatnot, that people... um, They like amplify it. They amplify it to the point that it creates thought forms. Hmm. And people start to see these things. And so I guess in... in like a poltergeist. Yeah, kind of. And in the, the ghost hunting world, that might be considered like a place memory. I thought place memories were like imprints. It is. It is an imprint. But I, I feel like if you also consider the possibility of a thought form, it could one could fuel the other. Okay. So I think I get what mom's saying. Think about it like the fade from Dragon Age where... <laughs> Where people's, like, combined impressions change what the scene is. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> so it's that emotional intensity, the energy, the, you know, from from dying, from grieving, from right. the battle itself that creates this these thought forms. Right, and sort of the, in the collective unconscious. Yeah. And especially when you have battlefields, you have different perspectives mm-hmm. on different sides that right. will change how it presents. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting, and it made me think of that when you said that. Getha says, that makes it make sense for me. Thank you. Uh, Not a problem. <laughs> yes. Dra- d- we'll pull in those Dragon Age references. I probably, I, maybe I wasn't <laughs> well, explaining it clearly, I, but... I think it's just, a, it's a big concept. It it's is a big, big concept. concept. I often link magical terms to video game terms because I know them better. Yeah, Rhiannon says, relating witch shit through the lens of nerd shit. A That's classic right. go-to. Okay. Yeah. Hey, it works for me. Uh-huh. Whatever works. So modern concepts of thought forms don't relate as much to the the three thought forms that Annie Besant uh, originally described. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they're mostly broken into servitors and egregores. Right. Interestingly enough, I was reading someone's little article about how 
the potential of sigils being like the bare bones basics of what a servitor grows out of. We are going to get to that because okay. I have a whole thing about sigils and other spell crafts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For, but yes, that's a that's definitely a point we're going to touch on. Well, and you and I basically created a servitor, a couple of servitors, uh, when we had the bad neighbors. We might as well get into it now. What I have always thought was sort of a fringe theory that all spell works have their own right. souls mm-hmm. basically translates to my theory is basically that all spells are servitors. So a servitor is a thought form that originates with one person, and it's basically an autonomous magical program that is designed to do one thing repetitively Mm -hmm. or until it's accomplished a task or has hit a time limit, and then it expires, Mm -hmm. right? It's like a single-use, single-purpose magical tool-slash-being. I've talked about this before, that my feeling has been that when I create a sigil, um, especially when I create a sigil, but also when I create, like, physical crafty spells, like, where there's a physical thing involved Mm. in the creation of the spell, that that spell has a spirit of its own. And now, having done this research, I wonder if what I'm effectively doing is creating a servitor and ensouling it because I'm an animist. That's really interesting because my general perspective, not that I've really ever put it into words, my, my general perspective is more of spells are made with spirits attached. See, I think like the the components of a spell mm-hmm. have spirits of their own, mm-hmm. but when they are combined in tandem mm-hmm. during the creation of a spell, those spirits sort of fuse together and create a new spirit. This is just a difference in perspective. Yeah. I'm not okay. an animist. Well, that's that's definitely a distinct point, yeah. <laughs> that was my question to you. I was going to say, is there a difference between what the two of you are describing and how would you describe it? Because you have described yourself in the past as sort of a soft animist. Yes. So it's not really sure to where to begin. When I create a sigil, mm-hmm. for me, it is either, you know, out of just paper or with components. It's putting my sort of thoughts and intentions and wants and needs and then essentially sending out a call to being like anybody want to take care of this (laughs) while it's working (laughs) and then a volunteer comes by and goes ah yes this is something I handle let's go so it's me creating a thing that is then put into the the care of a spirit that then detaches when I'm done rather than the spirit being created by it yes interesting that's def- That's a very distinct practice yes, very from what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking when we created the spell to deal with the bad neighbors, we had two little dolls, mm-hmm. and we gave them names, and yep. we awakened them, them. We awakened them. We gave them jobs, mm-hmm. and they were very specific tasks. Yep, they each had different jobs. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to work together, but not overlap. Mm-hmm. And so that I, I guess is my. Would that be? essentially a servitor. I think so, basically. Now, maybe not in a traditional chaos magic sense, because in chaos magic, you're effectively, like, interfering with the programming of the universe. Mm. It's very sort of mathy. It's, it's why I don't do it. 
You can tell that you can tell <laughs> that um, chaos magic has sort of a, an, a, a similar ideological root as like hacker spaces hmm. and a, a sense of the universe um, being structurally organized. Mm-hmm. And then like what chaos magicians do is go in and fuck with the with the structure. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see a lot of like references to programming or comparisons to computer programming and comp sci stuff in chaos magic which has always been fascinating to me because they seem like such disparate concepts, but Mm. they're definitely married together. So you'll see servitors described in chaos magic spaces as being very, like, constructed line by line, Mm -hmm. like the way you would build a computer program. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, I have a different opinion of chaos and math because if you... A lot of it boils down to how the human brain works. If you go into, um, if you go into um, a human picking a random number sequence, if you get that person far enough into that random number sequence, it does have a very distinctive pattern mm-hmm. that just like people tend to fall into. So having this sort of programming way of moving through chaos without not imposing order, but just how to make the human brain comprehend and work with chaos makes sense to me. Okay. So a servitor in a chaos magic sense would be like writing a program to do something to the universal system. Yes. I work with the servitor like that at work. Yeah. Whereas I think you could class what I'm creating with spellcraft and with spell spirits as a kind of servitor, but I'm creating it in a more organic way, I guess, less structurally, more vibes-based. That makes sense. Okay, so then, what is the difference between a servitor and an egregore? Where a servitor is created for and by one person and traditionally will only, like, obey the commands of the person who creates it, Mm -hmm. Um, an egregore is created by a group Okay. It is a group manifestation. Um, intentional? So it can be either way. It should be intentional. There have been accounts of egregores being created unintentionally by, usually by covens, but sometimes you'll see people even talk about how like like mob mentality mm-hmm. is, is sort of a very temporary, circumstantially specific egregore that sort of breaks up when the mob does. Mm-hmm. But the the general thing that people will say is you should only be creating thought forms intentionally because if you create them unintentionally, mm-hmm. then you don't know what programming you've given them. But so like a classic example is there, they, they actually wrote a book about it. There was a group of uh, magicians in the 90s, I think, who got together in, to intentionally create a ghost, a okay. ghost that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. His name was Philip. Um, I remember hearing about this. Yeah. So they... Or reading it. Yeah. So I think the book was called Creating Philip or something mm-hmm. like that. Imagining Philip. Something like that. It was a group of, I think, five or six magicians. And they would get together and they did everything they could in terms of historical research to make sure that the content they were inventing for mm-hmm. Philip was accurate to the time and place that they wanted him to come from. And then they together imagined the existence of Philip. Intentionally, they knew they were creating Philip, inventing Philip. Mm -hmm. Um, But they wanted to see if they could, if their combined imagination and willpower for this fake ghost could make a real spirit. Mm -hmm. And they had results. And according to some of the magicians from this group, even decades later, 
sometimes they would all get together and Philip would show up, even hmm. though they were no longer intentionally imagining Philip. They had created him with enough vividness mm -hmm. that he began to exist in a more real and autonomous way. Interesting. So the big thing with egregores and servitors and thought forms in general is that although they are created beings, they do, and they have programming that they can't independently break, mm -hmm. they do have some degree of autonomous functioning. Mm -hmm. The point of them is to do things while you're not paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. Now, would Dictatus, our, our creation of Dictatus, fall in line with so, this? So someone asked that, actually, very amusingly. Someone asked that in the uh, Dictatus channel. Yep. Um, I say amusingly because we originally planned this episode for last week, yeah. in which case we would have gotten in there ahead of that question. But mm -hmm. because we didn't record last week, we ended up getting here after that question was asked. And there was some really interesting discussion in the Discord. I think it depends on your perspective. Mm -hmm. My perspective is that Dictinus doesn't feel like an egregore. No, I would agree. Mostly because I, I can't give Dictinus instructions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have to... Be careful about the distinction between an egregore and the creation of a new god mm -hmm. and accept the fact that at times one might transition into the other. I think that's possible. I think it's not as common mm -hmm. as people would like to think. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think we also talked about during the, you know, when we talked about Dictinus and mm -hmm. we've done follow-ups in that did we kind of the question of did we really create Dictinus? Or did we just or discover Dictinus? Or did we just discover Dictinus? Or did another deity come and, and take on the mantle take on the mantle of Dictinus? Or potentially you attached a new title to something that was unknown previously yes. or had been forgotten. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, all of those Or like a a spirit that had been like a large but not deified spirit mm -hmm. became deified Dictinus. There yeah. are there are a lot of possibilities yeah. here. But I would agree that Dictinus is not one that is controlled or controllable. Yeah, I would say... Which may ultimately be the difference. So there's a comparison I wanted to make here between egregores and AI, like the modern AI that we have currently. If you've been following the news at all, generative AI has mm -hmm. become very big. I'm not going to get into the ethics of it other than their shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... The, there's a thing with generative AI that I think a lot of people aren't really understanding because they don't really know how it works and they haven't experimented with it. But generative AI still isn't actually intelligent, mm -hmm. nor is it actually creative. No, it's you pump a lot of different sources in and then it pieces, parts it together. Yeah, it's a little bit more complex than that um, because of the large language mm -hmm. models they use, but it's not that much more complex than that. The thing with generative AI is that it has specific rules to follow and it will follow those rules and only those rules. This is why you have the phenomenon of what they're starting to call hallucinations in AI, but that's really a, a dramatized, just like media term for it. Mm -hmm. What it really is, is just that the AI doesn't care about the content it produces, aside from ensuring that that content meets specific production rules. Mm -hmm. So it has to meet sort of a minimum readability threshold, right? Uh, if we're talking about um, text generating AI, it has to meet a certain readability threshold, but the AI doesn't and can't care 
about whether past the readability threshold, the content makes sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need it to be true. It doesn't need it to be authentic. It doesn't need it to be creative or inspired. It doesn't even really need it to be related to the prompt you give it. It just needs to meet a readability threshold. And that's why you can get some really confusing and nonsensical or simply false results from AI because it can only follow the rules it's been given. It is ultimately exactly the same kind of computer process that we've had for the last couple of decades. It's just working with much bigger sources now. The content that Jackson was talking about it being, being fed into it. Egregores are like generative AI. They have lots of rules that and lots of programming that they follow. They do it independently, but they are not automatically ensouled. They're really built off of the uh, the if-when in programming language. If you encounter this, mm -hmm. then you do this. Uh, when this happens, then this happens. Yeah, very much so. Just just on like very com like many many ifs and many many whens. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think egregores can become ensouled, either purposefully or accidentally. I think mm -hmm. they can ascend beyond their initial condition, but they're not sort of automatically ensouled. They're not automatically full beings. And that's what's going to distinguish an egregore from a deity. That mm -hmm. a deity can surprise you in ways that an egregore won't. Right. If you created an egregore of a known deity, like a separate programmed, intentionally created egregore of, like, Athena. Mm -hmm. Your egregoric Athena would always behave the way you have trained egregoric Athena to behave. Mm -hmm. But actual Athena absolutely will not. Absolutely will not. That's true. And now I'm going to cycle back to Amara Sapphire Wolf's question in regard to thought forms and egregores and servitors. Mm -hmm. They were asking, okay, here's my question. Is the house one spirit or many? Like, does a front door have a different spirit than the main, than the main structure? Is it possible? Because I believe that, you know, a house has individual spirits. There could be the main spirit of the overall house, and then individual spirits can become generated or created in the house. Could that also be servitors or egregores based on what, like, what type of uh, protections or... Uh, the type of energy that fills the house. I think you could design a multifaceted egregore. Mm -hmm. I don't think an egregore would become multifaceted on its own. Okay. Because it's always going to have those programming limitations. Mm -hmm. Now, I do think houses have individual spirits that are different. I guess I was wondering if you could, like, if you wanted to create a, an egregore or a servitor for your front door. You know? I don't think you need to. Right, I think the, there is a different way to. I think the house, the house just. I think the house just has a spirit. Yeah, I do too. And hearth spirits might become, or or like threshold spirits might become mm -hmm. attached to, or live in symbiotic relationships with your house spirit. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you need to create a spirit for your house. And that was my question. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think at most maybe if you really needed to, you might be able to make an egregore to help streamline. Mm. how things work in mm -hmm. your house mm -hmm. yeah like but, a like, like a, a butler, butler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because house spirits can be can be very very can be squirrely very squirrely. and opinionated yep join our tiger crystal at apothecary teas 
This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses, with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Ode suggests White Queen, with a blend of Pai Mu Tan, Rose Petals, Lavender, and Vanilla. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! I'm going to make smoke. Yes. I enjoy that you phrase that as make smoke instead make. of light a match. <laughs> make smoke! <laughs> make smoke! Um, it's more so, fun that way. So that's actually also something to, to talk about here. Um, Egregores and servitors do need to be fed, but you don't make offerings to them in the same mm. way that you make an offering to a deity, right? Mm-hmm. You feed egregores and servitors usually with, like, attention and instructions. Um, sometimes with energy, especially egregores, are usually fed on the energy of the group that created it. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of maintenance-level stuff, where, like, if you don't feed and maintain your thought form, mm-hmm. it might eventually sort of lose power or disintegrate. Right. Whereas that is not the case with the deity. No. <laughs> no, no, no. If you don't make your offerings to the deity... They'll still be there. Uh-huh. I don't know. Think of, I, I would think of servitors as a battery-operated program and an egregore as maybe a fancy battery-operated automaton. You just need to put a little lump in them. Yeah. Well, an egregores conventionally can accomplish more than servitors mm-hmm. because they have the energy of a whole group mm-hmm. rather than one person's, like, single focus. But, contrary-wise... Um, because servitors are the creation of a single person and mm-hmm. ideally have, like, that one person's very, like, razor-sharp focus, servitors tend to be more under control and better at specific tasks, mm-hmm. whereas egregores, because they're the result of many people's focus, which may not be as tightly controlled, mm-hmm. the egregore is more likely to have bad programming, just sort of worked into it, kludgy code that causes them to to go uh, off the reservation, as it were, like to do things you're not expecting, even though they are the results of your preparations. Okay. And that's where you can end up with things like, quote, wild thought forms, although I think a more accurate term might be stray in the same way that like a domestic cat is not a wild cat. It is a stray or a feral domestic cat because Mm -hmm. it is intended to be a domestic animal that has been accidentally or maliciously released Mm -hmm. into the wild that it is not suited for. Thought forms, because they are created by humans for human purposes, should not probably just be let loose. Okay, here's a, yeah, here's a question for both of you. Can thought forms be created on accident? Sort of, I think. Yes, I think you can... In the same way that you can accidentally create a curse, mm-hmm. I think you can accidentally create a, a servitor. Jackson did have an answer. It was just nonverbal. He made a face. <laughs> um, so I was, I was thinking through some some potential scenarios. I think the way that it could happen is that sort of. Have you ever broken down a hypothetical out loud? because you're trying to work through mm-hmm. a problem or work through your emotions about a situation. Yeah. If you do that emphatically and repetitively enough, it would still technically be unintentional because you didn't set out to make a servitor, but you were focusing on that on that process. And you were generating so that often. energy over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could see that. 
So it's not so much unintentional as it is subconscious. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, Sub- subconscious servitors. Um, and subconscious egregores, I think, happen when groups do that same thing. Um, like if you have a particular ritual that you undertake with your group every time you get together, like like clockwork once a month. It's not impossible if someone has, especially if someone has like leaky containment, if they've got poor shielding, mm-hmm. or if you are one of those people who just like generates a lot of energy and doesn't doesn't have that under good control. I think you could definitely create an egregore of that ritual for your group. A lot of times those are going to be basically harmless because all the egregore is going to do is try to facilitate the thing you do. But because you didn't create it intentionally, you're going to end up with maybe irrational behaviors, Mm. right? The egregore version of hallucinating AI. What are you laughing about? Yeah, I was going to say he's over there snickering. Uh, I was just, for groups, I think the way that this could also happen is that, have you ever had, like, a like a friend group-wide bitch session where you talk through hypotheticals of what you would do in a situation? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That can get dangerous. Or if you're talking about, like, somebody's ex. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That, those, like, those talking about people that, or corporations or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. situations that make you frustrated enough to get into a group of people mm-hmm. and hash out step-by-step, step, like, I would do this and this and this and ha. <laughs> And then the the That's also how unintentional cursing often happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the thing indeed. is, when you create an egregore out of those kinds of raw emotions, as opposed to like when you create an egregore out of just like ritual performance over and over again, that kind of like emotionally generated egregore is going to be more irrational so and even harder to I control. think that the reason why people have the conception of like unanticipated moves from an egregore or a servitor mm-hmm. is because irrational human emotion does not think logically. Mm-hmm. And when you break emotions down into logic, they don't make sense to us because we are emotional people. Yeah. So when you have a bunch of high emotions thrust into a thing that then acts within those constraints, the sort of wild... Uh, what it spits out. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially turning wild groupthink into thing that does something that you're like, oh, I didn't think I was going to do this, that. Right, this was an unintended <laughs> behavior. You know the very classic, to get back to AI again for a minute, you know the, the very classic AI sci-fi horror story of like, I have analyzed human beings and i've concluded did humans are the greatest danger to humans so i should destroy humanity to thank save humanity why uh-huh. thank you hal uh-huh <laughs> that is the kind of shit you get out of unintentionally created thought forms skynet yeah kind of <laughs> where like you didn't give it good instructions so it came up with bad instructions on its own mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's really just based off of doing it out of high emotion yeah and I think that's where you get, because you will see a lot of people be like, don't create thought forms. Don't make egregores or servitors. They'll get out of control and you'll have to destroy them. Yeah. And to that, I can only say, you made a bad thought form, babe. Yeah, I think the rule to follow is make these things with emphasis, mm-hmm. not with passion. Yeah. Again, back to that place that I'm always trying to get people to with any kind of spell work, which is have razor sharp focus yeah know what you're doing and why and how you want it to happen Mm -hmm. before you put any magic into it yep know exactly what your servitor is for don't just make one for the hell of it oh yeah that's why even if i do 
a uh, a spell off the cuff, I'm working off of the bones of something else. Mm-hmm. So I tweak as I go, but the base is always the same. Mm-hmm. So there's less room for mistakes. And and a lot of it is also focus. Um, to to make another nerd reference, anybody remember Dune? Yes. And you have to have the the mentat yep. mind of just this singular purpose and vision I to to accomplish certain kinds of tasks. Mm-hmm. You need that kind of Singular focus. focus and precision. Or um, you could also go to the name of the wind. To do magic, you have to be able to sharpen the whole of your mind to a single point. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of focus you should have when you're doing magic and when you're, especially when you're creating thought forms or anything else that's going to act autonomously. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you set it loose to do its job, it's going to do what you told it to. Yep. So make sure you know what you told it to do. Exactly. Rannon said it would be interesting to try and make a three-pack egregore, if only for perhaps people interested in Dictinus to interact with to feel the difference between the two. And to that I say, we would need a good reason to create a three-pack yeah. egregore. Yeah. It would be an interesting exercise for sure. But, but it we could would... also be a dangerous one. Right. It could be mishandled. Mm-hmm. So it is the kind of thing that we would need to come together and come up with a good, strong, legitimate extremely specific reason that we needed one. Mm-hmm. Join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you're sure to find something you'll like in the Wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, Ode is recommending the Bookworm's Path Eau de Parfum with scents of lavender, bergamot, salted caramel, coconut milk, brown sugar, and violet. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash wonderfulbodyco. Rhiannon says, I suppose a mannequin egregore isn't a specific enough reason. I was thinking literally just one that's purpose is existing just to help those who interact with it get a feel for what an egregore is or feels like energy-wise. That might actually be a purpose you could design an egregore for. We could look into that for sure. I don't know because I... Like I said, I th- I'm pretty sure I am essentially creating the animist version of servitors when I create any kind of spell or sigil, but I've never created intentionally an egregore before, but we could certainly look into that. And having sort of a template egregore would definitely be an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Is there anything other than any an other- egregore and a servitor when it comes to thought forms? Not really in the modern yeah, concept. I've seen the two on the off ends that I've seen bandied about in research but aren't terribly common is sigils being the beginning and god forms being the end. Just that it is sort of the potential evolution of an egregore. I think of that like creating an egregore of Athena would be, I think, considered a god form. Gotcha. It's that sort of slightly elevated because it's based off of a deity, so it has more capability, but Mm -hmm. still a sort of restrained variation of. Would that be considered like, I don't know, an insult to the actual deity? Depends. I think it depends on Imitation the deity. Is the, the highest form, form of flattery. flattery. <laughs> yeah. Like, there is definitely out there at least one, probably more than one, like, accidentally created Marvel Loki egregore. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Just from, like, people who really, really like that character. Well, it's hard not to. Very identifiable as, like, that's an egregore of Marvel Loki, mm-hmm. not connected to real Loki. Actual Loki. But real Loki doesn't really care about that. <laughs> he thinks it's funny, usually, and 
even if he decided to show up looking like the Marvel <laughs> Loki character, I would be able to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So the only thing other that I found in my research was that um, in ancient Greece, the, the, the sort of variation of thought forms was slightly different. More of, it's still like a non-physical entity that is created from a group of people but more specifically for like Enochian rituals and this sort of representation of angelic beings. Mm. So it's um, it's created to sort of stand in for? I think, but I don't know 100%. That's just all I found. It was a, a fairly brief mention, but it seemed interesting. It's something I would need to look more into. Yeah, that mm. is interesting. And I know, in, so uh, Rannon says the way Ode talks about their spells does kind of remind me of what I've read of historical demon uses in some Greek curse tablets. Mm, true. And I know that in ancient Greece, there were demons of people, like mm-hmm. you had your personal demons, not in a like modern day, like, ooh, you're yeah. you're under a spirit of alcoholism or whatever. Yeah. But like a demon was kind of like a, like a, like a personal attendant spirit mm-hmm. or, or something like that, where it, it like influenced your emotions and like was attached to you and also influenced you. We've got, you know, Filia in the Norse uh, cosmology, which are semi-attached spirits that are like autonomous of us, but also part of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, like demons from Golden Compass. Yes. So like there are a lot of like semi or like a fetch. Mm-hmm. Some sources talk about like witches creating their familiars mm-hmm. in ways that are very similar to servitor creation. Mm-hmm. So like there are a lot of related subjects. I think a lot of this is very the terminology and the the practices are sort of muddy and interwoven mm-hmm. across cultures and spans of time. Right. I also personally think that like if you follow a different practice, you might be working with the same elements, but you're putting them together in a different way, so mm-hmm. they might present differently. Exactly. Well, I remember when we had our um, our episode. I think it was about. I don't remember. I talked about Slender Man. Mm-hmm. In that particular episode. I think that was our spooky stories. Spooky stories. One for, of the things, for, that was the urban legends. Yeah, one. urban legends. That's what it is. I remember we discussed the possibility that mm-hmm. so many people put such oh, energy I think there and is passion. 100% an, in, a Slender Man Egregore. A Slender Man Egregore. Because <laughs> there are people, you know, it started out just as a story. Yeah. But there are, you know, reports of seeing him. Oh, yeah. No, I 100% believe there is a Slender Man Egregore or several different Slender yeah, Man Egregores. I would not be surprised if there is one for many of the SCPs. Uh-huh. I would almost guarantee there's one of Siren Head. <laughs> yes. Yep. L- yeah. A lot of those, um, I think the modern sort of creepypasta culture is definitely mm-hmm. generating egregores. Well, and I think honestly, frankly. And those are, I think, again, those sort of subconsciously created mm-hmm. egregores. Uh, nowadays, I think it might be easier to subconsciously create egregores mm-hmm. because you have this cycle of intense cultural obsession. Right. Yeah. And then you move on to the next obsession. Memes make egregores. (laughs) (laughs) I also think that old urban legends and old stories like the Bloody Mary story where so many people play the same game with the same outcome, Mm -hmm. you know, and have the same experience. Could that not be uh, a thought form? That one, I think, might be a more chicken or egg scenario. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think definitely there there is a point at which, like, it's not even practical to debate where it started. Because now it's so muddied. Uh It's probably yes, no, both, and neither. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Anyway, Owen, for anybody 
anybody who is interested in learning more about that discussion, it was in our Urban Legends episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Rannon is mentioning something I, I touched on in the, the Dictinist channel on our Discord. Rannon says... Would you say you could create a personal egregore of yourself? Obviously, you'd need other people in on it because a personal servitor is one thing, but I mean like a full-on egregore of Ode or Rhiannon or anyone. So the comment I made in the Dictinist channel, because someone was was saying like, well, maybe all deities were egregores once. Hmm. And I was saying, if your definition of a deity is just that it's an egregore that has been personally experienced uh, in a reciprocal relationship for generations, then you could make an argument that any public persona Mm. is a kind of egregore, right? Because there's no real difference in in your understanding or ability to to know the source of data between information you receive from a deity or an egregore and information you receive from me through text on Discord. Mm. Because the person you're interacting with when I leave you a comment on Discord is a reciprocally parasocial version of me. I think I have a very good comparison of, of what this might be like. Uh, if any of you have seen The Last Starfighter, in mm. that film, yes. uh, <laughs> kid goes off to space and the people that took him leave behind duplicate. a duplicate, like a robot. And first, it's very uncanny, creepy, mm-hmm. and slowly as people expect it to interact in certain ways, it develops more of that original personality, but is still its own distinct variation of that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way it would work if you're trying to make one of someone you only interact with on like a limited level, Mm -hmm. because it's... Because you only get certain amounts of, certain Mm -hmm. kinds of input. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I feel like it would be the way you expect to interact with that person is probably how they would present. But when you have a lot of people doing it, it sort of rounds out to feel more real, but is still just to the left enough to be unsettling. Yeah, and to be distinct from its Mm -hmm. point of origin. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to break the illusion or anything, but the me, the Ode, who interacts with you on Discord and who talks on this podcast is not the me I always am. Mm -hmm. There is a hypothetical core Ode, but even I don't know who that person is. Like, personality is so fluid and Mm -hmm. situationally based anyway. So, like, each person in my life, each situation in my life gets a different persona of me. Code switching. Yeah, exactly. They're all related to Mm -hmm. me. They all sort of generate out of that hypothetical core Ode, but none of them are the essential core Ode. Mm -hmm. They are expressions of an Ode. It's that wonderful misquote, all the world's a stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I think you could create an egregore, but it would be limited in the ways that egregores naturally are and have to be Mm -hmm. by only having access to certain kinds of information and having programming limits that tell it what it can and can't do. Right. I was just saying that that sounds like a much less nerdy way to (laughs) reemphasize the point that I was making through a reference that nobody got. (laughs) I got got that reference. That's a great reference. Go watch The Last Starfighter. It's worth it. Lucaru says, weird thought, would you consider Oprah to be an egregore? I think you could consider any celebrity. Oh, like Oprah the personality, not Oprah the person. uh, Yeah, like there is a, (laughs) and any celebrity, there is Mm -hmm. a core person behind it, Mm -hmm. and you should respect the existence of that person, and a lot of people do not, Mm -hmm. but the face of them that you see and that you parasocially interact with, yeah, that's not the real person. Mm -hmm. Like that's That's a persona. That is a projected identity. Mm -hmm. I think at that point you have to think about the difference between feeling an energy exchange with a stranger from a distance Mm -hmm. 
or thinking that you have created a variation of them that you are then interacting with. That, yeah, that's also a thing. We talked a long, long time ago about uh, ancestors being elevated. Yeah. And I think there's an argument to be made, certainly. Um, and I don't know where I stand on this necessarily, but there's an argument to be made that an elevated ancestor is not the spirit of the ancestor. Mm. It is the egregore of the ancestor. But if you get too deep into this, it becomes the yeah, is it's, the ocean soup right? discussion, or or, or or like we're in the matrix, right? Uh-huh. Like yeah. there there does there does come a point where you have to accept that like you just don't you're just not gonna be you're able to cleanly know. define these things. Yeah, I I think it's that realization that humans don't understand much of the world we interact mm-hmm. with, and you and just we, have to take it for what it is. And sometimes. we just we really like categories yeah. like uh-huh. so much. So we desperately want to know, like, does this person fit into X category that I have just learned about? And sometimes the answer is like, yes and no, Mm -hmm. or it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or yes on days one, two, and three, but not 70 through 90. Mm -hmm. It really, like, sometimes you got to leave a little mistake. Yeah. Rhiannon says, sometimes you have to choose to just vibe and nod. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I said ultimately in the Dictinus channel was like, I determine the difference between a deity and an egregore by vibes. Yeah. Dictinus feels like a deity to me and not mm-hmm. like an egregore. So that's how I think of Dictinus. Yep. Yep. Exactly. His actual generation point, not relevant to me. Yep. That's very true. Are, have we discussed everything we're going to discuss? I think so. Yeah. We, I don't like, I don't think we've covered everything there is to say about the topic oh, of uh-huh. thought forms. Cause like I said, very big, big subject. You know, there are dedicated chaos magicians who haven't made their full conclusions on thought forms. Right. But I think that's as much as we're going to cover on thought forms. Then you can find us on Google. If you Google the number three and the letters P-A-A-C or the number three and the words pagans and a cat. Three pagans and a cat. Uh-huh. And you can find us online at the number three pagansandacat.com where we have links to a variety of things including our Patreon and our Redbubble where... Uh, I sold a shirt recently. I made a whole $3. (laughs) Thanks very much. Gwen has some stuff she does. I mostly do TikTok these days. (laughs) Uh, But if you want to read some of my past writing, you can can, uh, read what I've written on Pathios Pagan, Mm -hmm. uh, the Three Pagans and a Cat blog. We have a YouTube channel that right. we occasionally don't do anything that on we, anymore. That we sometimes <laughs> intend to live stream on, but then we forget. That we forget. And, and then we, we do can't... it on mine. Uh-huh. We do it on Gwyn of Three yep. Pagans and a Cat. And then we can't remember how to share the live stream link. Yep. So we basically just make a video that we can't edit. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was an you exciting adventure. <laughs> It was the intention, uh-huh. you know. We we had good intentions. We, we meant well. We, we meant just didn't well. succeed. Nope. Maybe we'll try it again in the future, but you know, we'll see. Rhiannon says the red bubble is still up. Lol, I thought you were going to close it ages ago. Yeah, I never got around never to it, got and I guess it's it. fine because, like I said, someone bought a t-shirt recently. Right. <laughs> and um, let's see what else. Um, oh, if you want to be part of these discussions mm-hmm. in the Discord on Facebook, mm-hmm. we have a Facebook group. Now, if anyone knows more about thought forms than me, please go into the Discord, into episode discussions, and tell me about it because right. I'm obsessed with people telling me things I don't know. Yep. Love to learn new things. Yep, that's and true. The Discord is great for that. So if there's ever been something you don't know, go to the Discord. That's right. You'll you'll find a lot of ode in the Discord. Okay, uh, I think that's everything. I think that's it. All right, then goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.